if you know anything about me and Legalese Marketing, you always know how much we push the concept of that life-work balance, of making sure that you have the kind of firm that allows you to live a life. And that's why the minute I learned about EOS and Red Traction, I knew that this was exactly what I was looking for. It's that concept of having everything built around the firm correctly. And that's why I'm so happy that we have Ched, Ched, wow, Chad Sinis. I was so concerned about the last name, Chad. I messed up the first name. I'm so sorry. Uh, for those who don't know Chad, one, he is way more understanding when you can't pronounce his name, even though it is exactly how it spells than I would be. But Chad has coached, motivated, and led hundreds of entrepreneurs to get what they want out of their businesses. He understands the challenges and struggles that business owners and leadership teams go through feeling stuck, not always knowing the, the next step. As an EOS implementer, Chad dedicates his time to helping entrepreneurs get a grip on their business, generate more from it, and of course, have fun while doing it. Chad, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you so much for having me, Jordan. I want to dive into your story a little bit more because I think you sit in such a cool spot having seen this from both directions. Uh, before that, though, I do want to talk about our last episode briefly. Greg's going to run the slide for that. So we had uh, Sharon Christie on to talk about the three M's of solo and small firm success the mindset, the marketing, and the management. Really cool chat with Sharon going into those things, how they build on each other, how they're interrelated, et cetera. All right, but enough about that, Chad. So talk to me about your background because ultimately you went through the EOS process to then help other people go through it. I did, yeah. So I'm gonna go even a little bit further back, right? So throughout my professional career, I've worked for big companies, I've worked for small companies. I've been in the corporate America, I've worked for the entrepreneurial companies. I always gravitated back to the entrepreneurial company. Love the daily struggles, the issues that they deal with. Went to grad school, seven years post-grad school, I worked in a proven franchise model where I coached and consulted franchise owners. Loved it, had a lot of fun. Uh, two things I really discovered here. Number one, I had a knack and passion for helping others to be successful in their business. And then number two, the impact of following a proven process, what it can do for consistency and scalability. Left that to be the chief operating officer for a company here in Orlando. Uh, stepped into the company. We were a 10-year-old company. We were profitable. Um, weren't going anywhere quick. We had 12 locations. We had 16 employees. I won't tell you exactly what industry it was in. Somebody handed me a book. This book right here, Attraction. They said, read it. This is the stuff they don't teach you in grad school. Read it, loved it. Had my leadership team read it. Uh, they loved it. We hired a professional implementer. Again, what I do now. Uh, the first year of running uh, on EOS, we doubled profitability. We grew revenue by 27%. But that, that blob of people and process that existed in our organization, we got everybody moving in the same direction. That's really where the magic happened. Uh, we sold that company. Uh, we actually we graduated from EOS. We sold the company, and I transitioned into doing this now full time. Left that, and now pursuing my passion of running running my own entrepreneurial company. Um, and I also run a little side note. I run my company. I'm a company of one, uh, but I run my company on EOS also. Shocker, isn't that <laughs> uh, is. as you know? As, as we both talk about all the time, we always love the people that walk the walk. And so, obviously, as a marketing company, we're like, oh my god, we have to do our marketing the right way. And obviously. As an EOS implementer, you got to have the EOS implemented the right way. I, I drink the Kool-Aid, but there's a reason, right? Because it works also. So, Well, and I love, I mean, we'll get into this a little bit more detail, but like what I really love about Traction or the EOS system, I guess maybe that's a better way to put it, is how much flexibility there is. It's like, these are the things that are inflexible, but then how do you make this part fit with you? How do you add this part? How do you do this and really kind of get it dialed in for what makes the most sense for you? Do you agree with me on that? 
Uh, somewhat. I mean, it is a finite system, right? Um, it's, it's interesting when Gino, Gino Wickman is the author of the book, uh, when he originally came up with it, he said all companies deal with the same 146 issues. That if right. you can boil them down, we can put them into one of six key categories. So we call EOS the journey of strengthening the six key categories that exist in any business. Now, I get it primarily law firms, but it works on any business. Well, but I just mean, yes, I totally agree with you. But what I mean is like, it's not like, okay, when you are a $500,000 a year firm, you need to have this sort of marketing plan. And then in a million, you move to this and then this. It's like, all right, set that 10 year, the three year, the one year, set the third, you know, set the rocks for the quarters. And like, so no matter how large you are, you really still have that same focus. You can just tackle bigger tasks. You can get them accomplished quicker. You can put more money into some of the different things. You can put more effort with people, um, et cetera. You're not like completely changing your organizational structure every step. You're just adding like a new level or adding those people in. Spot on. Yeah. It helps for scaling, right? So uh, granted, there's a lot of key components, but what you just said there, we start with that that, that long-term goal, right? We call it the 10-year target. It doesn't have to be 10 years, five to 30 years. Uh, Jim Collins, if you've ever read any of his stuff, he calls it the BHAG, the big, hairy, audacious goal. And we tell our owners, go big, right? Because be careful what you wish for. So we set that long-term goal, that big thing out there, and then we take it into bite-sized pieces. We take it into a three-year picture. You know, what does this company look like three years from now? drop it down to that one year and then drop it down to the rocks, the quarterly rocks and just get better. Because if you hit your rocks, right. And even going further, let's hit our week, right? So you hit your week, you win 13 weeks, you hit your quarter, you probably hit your rocks. You hit four rocks. You hit your one year plan. You hit three, one year plans, your three year picture, three, three year pictures. We hit our 10 year target. So it all just flows together all the way down to the weekly up to 10 years. So from the law firm perspective, I know you, you mentioned that a little bit, like, are there any specific tweaks that you find law firms making this more consistently, or really it is that kind of business by business decision? Yeah. So there's no tweaks to it. The honest truth is, is you have to ask law lawyers, do you want to run it like a lawyer or do you want to run it like a business? And I think that's the clear separation from it. Um, so everything that we do in EOS, we're focused on the business. Well, practicing law, you're in your business, right? You're doing various things, but you know, let's take a let's take a step back, get above the business, and make business decisions. Um, so it'll work for lawyers, absolutely. Um, where it won't work, I'll be honest with you, is in is in large firms or firms that say, no, we've got six people and all six people are in charge. You've got to have a basic structure. EOS will not work if you've got six people in charge. You must have one person. Uh, that's going to take accountability for each one of the major functions in the organization. Well, and it's, I, to me, I, I get what you're saying. And I can imagine so many specific firms. It's always like, I remember taking, um, I was a camp counselor when I was in high school and they had the CPR course. And they're like, the first rule of CPR is you tell one person to go call 911. You don't yell it out in the crowd. You have one, like you are the person, go call 911, get the ambulance over here. Because if you do it, that way they do they do it if you do the like hey somebody call 911 no one does it because everyone thinks somebody else is doing it and i think that's what um at least from some of the you know larger partnership firms that i've seen that becomes their issue well it's 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 the theory that if there's six people in charge nobody's in charge right right so we just we, we assign accountability each each person plays their role uh sometimes that role maybe isn't leading the company maybe it's in a in a different role within the company um so, yeah, I mean, and I just pull that into, into the legal side, right? Because EOS works awesome in law firms. 
Um, I've got, a, you know, in, in my relationship with you, uh, I'm, I'm going down a law path. I've got a number of clients that are lawyers and it works awesome. Well, and it's interesting because I know, like, obviously, Traction talks about that visionary. You got the integrator, you got the leadership team. But from a like financial compensation structure, it doesn't say the visionary has to be making all the money or be the only owner or whatever. So you get a lot of these partnerships where like truly there is the face of the firm, there is the COO, there is the director of the uh, personal injury side, the workers comp side, whatever. And like you can put together a leadership team that actually sets what all the partners are doing in that organized structure. It's just maybe there's a little bit of that ego looking at an org chart, I guess. So look at it too. Are you in the business? Or are you on the business? Again, so EOS is on the business. So I'm going to go a little bit more in depth than that. Yeah, let's uh, do it. So, so if we drop below those positions, so every organization has at least three basic functions. There's a sales and marketing function, somebody that's out uh, generating demand, uh, producing demand of some sort, somebody that's closing on that demand. There's at least one operations function. They're producing a product or a service. That's where a lot of your lawyers are going to sit in the operations function. And then there's at least one finance function. This is the money in, money out controls of the business. So the three basic functions, if you're a company of one, these three functions exist, right? If you're a company of a thousand, at least three basic functions exist. Right above that, and you hinted on this earlier, is the integrator. The integrator integrates the major functions of the organization. They're the one that beats the drum. They're usually the glue that holds everything together. They're usually the person that really owns the business plan. They hold people accountable. They're involved in the day-to-day. -day. That's the integrator. Above that is the visionary. So the visionary, 30,000 feet, uh, creative problem solver. We call them the 20 idea people. They're constantly coming up, R&D, coming up with new ideas to move the business forward. A true visionary, if they are involved in the day-to-day, -day, they come in, they cause chaos, and then they leave. And so I will tell you that I think traction is actually written to the visionary. Let go of the vine. Get out of the way. Get the right people in the right places. Get the process um, in place. Get the right fundamentals in your business. Get out of the way. Watch the business flourish. So companies have at least those five basic functions. And that's all companies. Well, and I think so many, I, like, look, from a law firm perspective, being in the fulfillment side, being in that, you know, what you actually, the service you actually provide, they're like, oh, well, but we have different areas of law and we have this. Great. Like, then you just split up that section into the segments that you have. Like, that's the easy part. I think a lot of times we struggle as lawyers on that true business sense, you know, the supporting the fulfillment of the legal work. Yeah. Well, I mean, we're, we're, we're taught, and you're taught this in law school too, also take control, right? Own it, own what you're doing. And your role, and, and you mentioned compensation earlier, I didn't mention that. Within this structure, it's not always the person in the top that makes the most amount of money, right? It's the person that's producing the most or generating the most typically makes, makes the most amount of money that, that uh, in, in firms and, and in organizations. Um, but it... it the, most of the legal side of what you do would fall under that operations. That center seat uh, would fall somewhere within the operations. But you still need somebody out, as you know, from the marketing side. You need the marketing seat or slash and or sales seat filled. And then you've got to have the financial controls within the organization also. And all three of those functions must be strong. Because if one of them fails, the whole firm, the whole company will crumble. All three of those basic functions must be strong in every organization. And 
obviously unbiased because I run a PI firm also, but like to me, it makes so much sense because you know, most areas of law, like, okay, the client hires you and they're, they're paying money or they're putting in the retainer PI. It's not paid until the end. So it's really interesting because it's like, all right, the sales and marketing got them in. Now the fulfillment side gets them resolved. And now we get paid. The financial side now is looking at, you know, what we're doing with the money that we're paid. And so it's interesting to really have to walk a case through the like projected, okay, hired today, we project it to resolve in eight months and 12 months and 16 months, whatever that looks like. Um, and it makes it really interesting to split that up into three different departments because of the three different stages of the case, the client, the money. Mm -hmm. And it's perfect in that situation. I'll, I'll always challenge you to go back one further back be before that sales and marketing. What's that number? And then to take it one number back before that, what's that number? Because you're not going to close or you're not. I mean, so again, you're looking at the financial side, which we're going to say that's the revenue side. And then you went to the operation side, you went to the sales and marketing side. But how many conversations or what's that action before the sales and marketing to ultimately to get you through all of that channel? You see what I'm saying? You mean Take like in terms of back. like generating leads to consults, to clients, like that whole process? Yes. So so gotcha. in, your, okay. in, in your PI example, what would be the number before the marketing leads or the marketing number that came in? Or this, okay, so I just gave it to you there. Before the sales number, it would be marketing leads because right. you don't close everything else. What's the number before that? It's impressions on ads. It's number of lunches. It's referral source check-ins. It's newsletters sent out. It's, I mean, all the, the leading indicators that lead to the lagging stuff of clients calling and hiring. And those are the things that you should be tracking in your company. What are all those early steps that lead to the ultimate results? As business owners, we want to track the results. The results is the revenue, the number of clients, right? We want to track that. But what are all of those things that lead up to that? That's what's important. Increase those and everything else will flow to, to, to the end result. Well, and especially when you're talking about not getting paid for you know years on cases, it's like, all right, I need to go to lunch today to build this relationship, to generate a lead in eight months, to get a client to call 30 days after that, to get them to hire, to put it through the two years, to get paid. Like, it's just, it's crazy to have to look at the, the time component of all these things. And I think so many law firms get stuck on, I wanna be a million dollar firm tomorrow, as opposed to, no, I need to take these steps now and double down on these things to build that growth, to, to get to that next step, to step up, you know, et cetera. Spot on, yep. Absolutely. And it doesn't happen overnight. I mean, as you know, it takes a while to build a practice, build a firm. So along those lines, I mean, look, you sit in an interesting spot, having seen this at multiple companies, law firms, non-law firms, having been through it. What are you, what do you find to be the most common problems that lead people to ready to commit to EOS? And then the most common problems people have while implementing EOS? Yeah. Uh, so that's two major different things, right? So usually, uh, you know, clients that that find me, they either read the book, um, but a lot of times it's people, they, they've hit a plateau, they've hit a ceiling, they've gotten so far in their business and they need something to break through um, where they're maybe not getting the profit they want out of the business. They don't have the right people in the, in the business. They don't have, they don't have the process in the, in the business. So it's a number of things. Uh, so, but it's not always struggling firms or struggling companies, sometimes it's people just want more. They want a better way of doing it. Um, this is a proven system. Uh, there's currently about 15,000 companies that are running on EOS that we have implemented. And I say we, I told you earlier, I run my individual practice. There's about 450 of me that do this globally. Uh, and we've implemented this. And I say 15,000, I think the actual number right now is right around 13,000, 13,500, something like that. 
With that, though, there's about 200,000 companies that are running on some various level of EOS. We know that through uh, it, um, interactions with our website, tools being downloaded, number of books sold, right? So they, there's, there's a number of different reasons why people get into EOS, but a lot of times it's just they want more. Um, some of the struggles that people have with EOS, um, they read the book. They fall in love with it. And in the book, we actually recommend uh, recommending self-implementation. It's kind of weird, right? We recommend go try, do it, right? There's no theory. These are simple tools. They've been around for 100 years. They'll be around for 1,000 more. Go try, go do it. People will grab onto one or two of the tools, and then all of a sudden they believe they're running on EOS. Uh, we kind of call that EOS light. They get a little bit. They get a little bit of the taste. Um, it is difficult to fully implement EOS without the use of an implementer. Can it be done? Absolutely. And I've seen it done and I celebrate and I congratulate those people. That's awesome. Uh, but the simple truth is it's not easy. Even though they're simple tools, it's not simple to implement in your business. So most people get stuck. It kind of become, then becomes the flavor of the month and then they lose track and they lose focus and then the whole thing crumbles and they go back to the way they used to run. Well, and the funny thing for me is, I, I, and maybe other firms do it differently, but like for me, when I read the book, I try to self-implement some of the stuff. And it was funny because everything that I had the time and energy to self-implement, I was like, oh, well, now that's not a problem anymore. Like it solved that one. And it's like, all right, well, now I need to get to the next part. And so like, it was funny to kind of track, to track traction in terms of where it was effective and what the next thing was. Um, and I know even the end of the book, I guess they talk about if you're going to do this, this is the order that makes the most sense, which it did or it does. It does, yes, they do give that order. There obviously there's a little bit of a secret sauce if you hire an implementer, if you hire one of us. Uh, and, and I'll be honest with you, Jordan, I mean, when I, I'm, you're not, uh, I'm not uh, your implementer, right? But when I first met you, I was, I was blown away because you did read the book and you got most of the way there. Now, could it be better? Absolutely. Is it worth hiring me? Probably not, uh, but you were doing a lot of the things already. And I'm gonna say, because uh, I've told this story before, FYI, Jordan works his butt off, right? But Jordan's also, you're living your life, which I love. Your business is not running you. You are running your business. And there are so many people that lose track of that. And I was just, I was blown away because usually that's like year five for my clients. You know, that's where they want to get to. And, and, and you were there already. Well, it's, I mean, today's Monday. So we had our, we had our <laughs> modified level 10 EOS meeting this morning. We got to see all the scorecards right there. It made it a lot easier for me to be hanging out with the, uh, you know, with the beach and doing our video this afternoon instead of freaking out about you know numbers that's it yeah it gave you a pulse right did i win the week did i not win the week can i step away and just look just by looking at these simply numbers these simple numbers go did did we have a good week last night last week okay great i don't need to get more involved in the business or did we not hey i've got to get more involved in the business i mean the only problem for me is i'm totally the person who goes in and wrecks things so it's like how do we fix this without me getting more involved and destroying it so much worse. That is absolutely my uh, cross the bed. True, true visionary right there, right? Coming in and causing chaos. Totally. All right. So we've got the we know the we know the law firm owners that are struggling, you know, not making money, working too much, whatever, not having the stuff in place. And then we've got kind of the dabble of implementing. So talk to me about either like the benefit, like the best parts about bringing an implementer like you, or the end result of what traction looks like when it's. I don't ever want to say it's finished because I think we're always looking for progress, but you know, when you know that you are on the right journey. Yeah. So 
you know, the one thing, and I'll, I'll state it, I don't sell EOS, right? I'm selling myself. Um, EOS is there. You can get it from the book, right? Um, so, so if you hire an implementer, really the benefit is it becomes, you'll get it implemented quicker and it becomes stickier because the implementer takes some of that accountability to get it implemented in the organization. Now, we don't do it, right? I tell my clients, you, got, you guys have the difficult job. I've really got the easy job. Um, they ultimately are the ones that have to go execute it within their business. But I'm here as a coach, as a teacher, as a facilitator to help them and to assist them to get it implemented in their business. So hire an implementer, you'll get it there quicker and you'll get it, you'll get it there uh, and it'll just become more sticky also. It won't, it won't be the flavor of the month. It doesn't become the flavor of the month. This really is a different way of running, running your business. So when it comes to those firms that have the, I don't know, four or so partners and whatnot, do you, as I know, I mean, the book talks about like who makes the final decision in the internal stuff, but in terms of the implementation, how much of your facilitation is really kind of helping those partners get into their role to then run it going forward? Yeah. So that's actually the very first step that we do. We introduce the accountability chart, which looks like an organizational chart. However, organizational charts bring, uh, typically there's job titles. We eliminate job titles and we give you a function. What is your function within the organization? So when I mentioned those three basic functions before sales and marketing, ops, finance, integrator, visionary, the five basic functions essentially. Um, the first step, the first exercise we do is we go with that accountability chart. We become crystal clear. So, we, so we, we get the function. What should this firm look like? We then describe and list the five roles for each one of those functions. What are they accountable for in that organization? We become crystal clear. Who's accountable for what? And then only then we've got function. Then we got roles. Then we put names and seats. And so it's interesting as an implementer, what we do is we, you know, typically... Um, so I'm meeting offsite, right? It's a full day session, typically teams of three to 10 ish. Okay. So they meet with me and we go right to the danger right on day one. And there are times if there are six people in there, by the end of this exercise, there might only be four or five seats. There might be somebody that's left off the accountability chart. Not to say they're not important, right? It's just, they did not make the final cut. Um, but we go to that right on day one introduce the accountability chart function roles butts and seats when you say don't make the cut like don't make the cut onto the leadership team or don't make the cut staying in the business or either. Uh, on the leadership team gotcha so okay. and it's on the leadership team yeah we 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 rarely make those difficult decisions and say yeah fire this person that doesn't happen um the the purpose of the accountability chart is really to determine right seats so we talk a lot about right people and right seats. It was coined in Jim Collins and his writings, built to last, and then uh, further into good to great, if you've ever read any of those, where he says, you've got to get the right people on the bus. The bus is your business. You've got to get the wrong people off the bus. Once you get them on the bus, you got to get them in the right seats before you can drive the bus. The problem in his writings, he doesn't tell you how. And so Gino says, okay, to get the right people, this is how we get the right people. We do it off of core values. To get the right seats, there's actually two tools we use. One, the accountability chart, which I've talked a lot about. Difficult to explain without showing it. I get that. Um, and then also, well, then we introduce another concept called GWC. I'm not going to get into GWC right now, but you've got to have the right people and you got to have them in the right seats. 
So we go through that exercise when we talk about seats. There are times where they just fall lower down in the in in, in the organization, and that's fine, because we're still going to define their five roles and what they do to add value to that firm. It just maybe is not in setting the direction of on the leadership team of the organization. And for that growth-minded firm, I think the the biggest thing for me that I like is you can put people into multiple seats. You can't put, or sorry, you can put one person into multiple different seats. You can't put multiple people into the same seat. And so for a lot of these firms that are on the this path, you as the owner are in like three or four different seats, but it makes it really easy for you to see what's the first job that you are onboarding. Like who's, who's taking which seat off of you in what order. I think that becomes really effective. Bingo. I love it when you said that, right? So you can sit in multiple seats, but you can't have two people sitting in the same seat. That same idea of two people are in charge. Nobody's in charge. Um, and, and what better way to, to know what to delegate, what to bring on is if you're sitting in three seats. Listen, the honest truth is if you're sitting in three seats, you can't be everything. You can't be the head chef and the head bottle washer. It does not work. You cannot to grow. You cannot continue to sit in multiple seats. Now, sometimes you just have to, right? As you're, as you're growing, you might have to sit in multiple seats, but spot on, it'll show you exactly your opportunity and what you should be hiring for uh, and what seats you should be filling to remove yourself from those seats. And it also helps the other, I mean, I don't know if this is for every industry, please let me know if it is. What I hear from law firm owners all the time, I have this person, they're my best paralegal, so I'm going to make them into my intake specialist. And I'm always like, all right, why, what makes them a good paralegal? Their attention to detail. They really dot all their I's and cross their T's. Okay. So from a sales perspective, when they're trying to build a relationship with potential clients about your firm, do you want them to be dotting the I's and crossing the T's or do you want them to be emotional and building a relationship? Well, the second one. All right. And how are they at that? Terrible. Great. So please don't lose your best paralegal to make your worst intake specialist because you think it's a promotion. You think it's a better job. And I think that, you know, right person in right seat becomes so awesome from that standpoint. Yeah, there's a, you know, we've been taught that the higher up on that, on that organizational chart, we call it the accountability chart, but on the organization, the more money you get made. And I say, no, that's, that's a misnomer. It depends on how much value you're adding. So when we talk about right seats, I mentioned GWC earlier, and I said, I wasn't going to get into it, but GWC, very simple, gets it. Do they get it? This is aptitude. Do they get the five roles that we've listed for that seat? Do they honestly get it? Do they want it? As in, do they wake up in the morning and go, this is what I was genetically encoded to do? And then the C is, do they have the capacity to do the job well? Uh, this is the training, the knowledge, the education. And the one thing for you to sit in that seat, it's got to be a yes for each one of those. You got to get it, you got to want it, and you got to have the capacity to do it. Only then do we actually say, then, yes, you should be in that seat. But spot on. So many people do that. They take their best employee and then try to promote them up into the wrong seat. And then that good person leads. And, and from that smaller law firm perspective, from capacity, I always also talk about the hours every week that job takes. Like you can't put one person into two 30 hour a week spots that may be two part time positions. It may not be one full time position from a capacity standpoint. And it just screams. So when I talked about all of those functions, at least the basic functions must be strong. Um, that'll happen. If you've got the same person sitting in multiple seats, one of those usually fails. And then at that point, the whole firm, and I say fail, right? 
I mean, maybe, maybe we don't grow as fast or maybe we're not as successful as we are. Or maybe, you know, instead of getting something done in two days, it takes us two weeks to get it done. Um, it's just not, it's not operating uh, efficiently. Um, but spot on, Jordan. Yep, love it. So what's the, how does somebody know that they are the right fit for traction? I mean, I know we talked about some of the problems, but like, you know, you're running it as a, as a team of one. So if it's a solo, true solo, I mean, is it something that's worth their time? Is it when they're starting to expand that it's worth their time? Is it like, what's that impetus moment? Yep. So two different things there, right? Because there's, there's EOS in the book traction. Anybody can read it. And I say anybody, if you own a business, if you're an entrepreneur, definitely read the book. Uh, the book changed my life, right? In multiple ways. Obviously I do it for a profession, but it changed it. So that solopreneur, by all means, read the book there'll be something that you'll get from it. If you hire an implementer, so my target, publicly held, growth-oriented companies, that growth-oriented is big, uh, companies that are willing to be open and honest and vulnerable, 10 to 250 employees, that's my target. Now, I've got clients that I work with that are smaller than 10, that's okay. I've got clients that are bigger than 250, that's okay. But that's really my sweet spot, that's really my target. Because once you've hit 10 employees, you've kind of broken through that first ceiling. You've gotten to a certain point in your business, not all businesses, but most businesses. You've gotten to that point where you're there, right? And then maybe you need something to take you to that next step. So to answer your question, will it work for, for solopreneurs? Absolutely. Would I hire an implementer? No. Nope. But here's the cool thing, right? And I tell people this all the time. I help self-implementing companies all the time. Uh, maybe a little bit different than than legal, right? Um, but the honest truth is, if you book an hour of my time, I'm going to give you an hour of my time. You may never be a client of mine, and that is perfectly okay. I will help you beyond belief uh, along. Obviously, it's got to fit within my schedule. Um, but I help self-implementing companies, whether they're a company of one, whether they're a company of 100. I help them for free all the time. Now, granted, I'd love if you hired me and we did it in full days. But if you want to chit chat, you want to talk for 30 minutes because you got an issue, reach out to me. I'd love to talk. And I will tell you, I, well, I'll tell everybody else about you. Chad has a really good ability to give you like both high level feedback and a very specific, like, I think if you change this word that way or change this sentence, that would make this, you know, impact your client a lot more or be a lot smoother or whatever it was. So it is a. Uh, you have a very good eye for the big picture and also the minutia, which I guess is probably helpful from being the uh, implementer. Yeah, very good. And, and it's a fine line. You know, the one thing is, is implementers are not, we're not consultants. So I tell people this, I'm not an expert in law. I'm not an expert in your business, in your industry. Um, and so we kind of do kind of skirt that line. I don't tell them what to do. Uh, but sometimes I maybe know the direction they should go. So sometimes it's a maybe steer it a little bit, but ultimately we always say the answer is usually in the room. 90% of the time they have the answer. Uh, so we just kind of deflect and get, get the people, my clients anyways, uh, try to get them to come up with the idea because then it's not Chad's idea. It's not a consultant telling them what to do. They do it. It's their idea all of a sudden. And the simple truth is most people know, they kind of know the direction they need to be going. So sometimes it's just steering them a little bit. Well, and it's, I mean, it's EOS, it's the entrepreneur operating system. So if you had to bring in an expert every time you turn your computer on, that wouldn't be a great operating system. You know, so exactly. it's one thing to have the expert help you get the right computer set up, help you train on it, help you get it running. But then, you know, you don't want that crutch day to day. 
Yeah. And I'm going to clear one thing up there, right? So EOS, sure. it's not EOS, it's EOS, stands for the Entrepreneurial Operating System. And so we talk a lot about, and we, you said software, and I just want to trigger that because we get accused of being a software company. Oh. Um, there is a bit of software that sort of comes with it, but EOS is an operating system for human capital. It's basically, it's an operating system for people. So there's, it's not software related also. So just like to clear that up. Although I did get an email, you they are rolling out some sort of like all-in-one dashboard to track traction software-wise. I don't know. I yeah. you know what I'm talking about? I do. Yeah. So, okay. so I, I mentioned there's a little software piece. There's currently two pieces of software that is licensed that are third-party um, that I uh, that that we have our clients run on. Right? It stores all of your tools. It runs your meeting, and it just kind of keeps all your EOS stuff together. EOS Worldwide, the parent company, is releasing a, a, a new piece of software called EOS One, uh, which brings all of that. It's essentially the same thing. They're just bringing it in-house now. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, I was going to call it the Power One, but that's BNI. Yeah, and, and, and FYI, it's free. It's free right now. They're still in beta testing, so it's it's free. Which is crazy. I, use, I Just imagine... imagine if you had your firm that wasn't making all the same business issues over and over again, how much better that would be for you. And then like, all right, yes, this will take time. Yes, it will take energy. But for right now, it will not take money to get some of that stuff going. Yep. Yep. Well, 25 bucks, buy the book, read the book, and then reach out to me. I mean, I, I, I do that all the time. Our, our first step, and I did it with your firm, right? It's just an informational base. We call it our 90 minute meeting. It's just, it's the movie version of the book. Here's the download. And I give it. People think it's a sales presentation. It's not. It's just this is EOS. Either you know, take it or leave it. I'd love it if you hired me, but it's it's okay if you don't. I, hopefully, you learn something from it. And I do those all the time. And any of your listeners, I would gladly give them a ninety-minute meeting. There we go. All right. So we'll make sure um, we've got all your links on here. We'll make sure people have that to go forward. Cool. All right. So as we get towards, I mean, we've got about uh, you know 10, 15 minutes left. What else do you want to make sure that we touch on? I mean, you're the expert sitting in this stuff in a bunch of different areas a bunch of different you know sizes of companies so like what are some of the other tips and tricks that we need to be talking about or takeaways yeah you know i think more than anything well there's a lot i mean i could talk all day on eos right so you're really throwing me this softball there um <laughs> don't let your business run you you know i i think so many people think and there's this misnomer oh he works hard oh he's a business owner and he works hard and everybody's time is different right so you can work hard at 30 hours a week. You can work hard at, at 60 hours a week. Um, but but get what you want out of your business and equally get what you want out of your life. Um, when Gino originally, when he released EOS, um, and this has actually been his latest book. It's up here. It's called The EOS Life. Um, he came up with kind of five disciplines. And it's interesting. In the book, he scopes it. And he talks about when, when, when he first started kind of growing EOS, he had about 50 clients and says, hey, I think I've got something. He hired a marketing firm and they started interviewing his clients. And the one takeaway that they got, he assumed that the clients were gonna talk about um, the benefit of EOS in their business, but just the opposite happened. They started talking about the benefits of EOS in their personal life. And he came up with what he calls the EOS life. And the EOS life is this, doing what you love, with people you love, making a huge difference, being compensated appropriately, and having time for other passions. 
And so ask yourself, if you're not living that EOS life, doing what you love with people you love, again, maybe, maybe you need to kind of shift and do something different, making a huge difference, um, being compensated appropriately and having time for other passions. I think it's just so powerful. And I think any business owner, if you kind of take that and, and just kind of, kind of use that and ask yourself those questions. And if you're not, then you probably need to be looking, looking for something else. Maybe that something else is EOS. Maybe that something else is a complete change. So, and I will, I will share a brief part for me. And it's funny because they talk about doing what you love, you know, with who you love doing it with and from that standpoint. So like, I like being a criminal defense attorney. I hated shaking people down for money. So as we transitioned over to PI, we in essence were helping the same people, but now they didn't have to pay for it. And like just that small shift really helped me get so much more passion back about my company because I hated, I hated calling people and just being like, hey, you know, where's the money you agreed to pay? Like we need it because we're a business. Um, it was very interesting to see just the, uh, the, the payment model changing without really the type ideal client changing, just making me so much happier. Yeah. Well, spot on. And if it's sucking your energy, then yeah, I mean, you're, you're not happy. Nobody's happy. The business probably isn't flourishing. You know, the, the other thing, and can I mention the other book, Jordan? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So there was another book uh, written by Mike Morris. Mike Morris is a PI attorney up in Michigan. I don't know Mike. I've only read the book, right? Um, but he implemented EOS a number of years ago and Gino was his implementer. So it was early on in Gino's career. And the one big, I mean, the book is actually really good. Standalone, read the book. I definitely read Traction, but if you want to go the Fireproof, you can read Fireproof also. Fireproof is his book. Give him a little, a little uh, tag here. Um, here's the big takeaway from the book. He can predict revenue within 0.1% annually, which is just mind-boggling. Talk about long-term predicting. That is just absolutely fascinating, especially in a PI firm, because think about all the accidents, the slip and falls, all the PI stuff that needs to happen to be able to predict your revenue within 0.1% annually. He is just that dialed into his business. And he will tell you, because I got this from the book, the key to his success was the integrator seat. It was getting the right person in the right seat specifically for him. It was in the integrator seat. Yeah, totally. Well, and then it's like, I'd be, I'd be curious to see um the COVID update because it was like it's just so funny to me when it's like well now your court dates are two years later than they normally were um no but i mean but it's true like and the more you have a lot of the right foundational pieces in place like this the easier it is to build off of that you know whether that's a slightly different marketing take whether that's you know bringing in more people to help you whether that's freeing up more of your time but like it all comes back to having that strong foundation and i think that's really what you're you're getting at here from the eos stuff it is yep so it's 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 having the tools we call them the five foundational tools one of those tools is a vision creating it's a two-page document and we call it our vision traction organizer and it's just getting the entire organization aligned around that plan which is fascinating right because you could have one idea your marketing person could have another idea your ops person could have another idea it's bringing that all together into a common vision and then getting the entire organization moving towards that vision, telling them, is that amazing? Telling them what our vision is to our organization. And once that comes together and you've already got the tools in place, that's where the magic happens in EOS. And, and, and we see it, we see it with our clients. There's just a light bulb. There's just a switch that gets turned on. Um, and it's a magical moment. It is not every client hits it, 
Uh, but I guarantee you every client that we work with gains traction. And if they don't, don't keep us employed, which is weird. We tell, we tell our clients that if this isn't working, stop paying us. Don't keep doing it. Um, and it's weird because um, there's a lot of other consultants, consultants that would probably tell you the opposite. We don't. We're like, if it's not working, don't do it. Well, and it's, you know, you, you touch on that point. And like the, the two things that that triggers for me is one, I love, he talks in the book about like just calling things the same thing. And it's probably more across departments. A smaller firm may not be as huge of a deal, but it's really interesting to like save the time of what are we talking about when we say our level 10 meeting? What are we talking about when we say rocks? What are we talking about? You know, like just those little things to get everybody there. But then also as much as you think you are the lawyer, that you are the one in charge, that you are the business owner, you would be so surprised to see the amazing things that come out of your staff when they get the larger picture, like just having that meeting about the vision, suddenly like my staff generates a lot more business because they understand what we're going for. They understand what we do. They understand our unique selling propositions. They understand, you know, so much more about it. Um, and, you know, that was not what I expected to get out of it, but I'll take it. Love it. No, I love it. And going back to what you say, calling the, you know, everything, just using a common language. Uh, are they clients? Are they guests? Are they customers? Uh, and so you, and you hear that in a lot, number of different firms and then, and then they have specific things to their business, just call it the exact same thing. And it just, it just creates clarity. Um, and I think roundabout, we all kind of know, but it just creates clarity. And, and like you said, it, it, uh, it ultimately saves time. Uh, you know, that's the other big takeaway, uh, but getting people aligned around that vision, it's tough. It doesn't happen overnight. The other thing, and I think Jordan, I maybe mentioned this to you earlier. We talk about like parenting and leadership kind of together. Um, and so in, in good leadership and in good parenting, there's really three disciplines. Um, the first is repeat yourself often, right? Be consistent. It's proven that people need to hear something seven times to understand it for the first time. And I've heard on the marketing side, like 12 times, right? Um, but if you're calling it different things and trying to get people aligned around that vision, you got to tell them. And you got to continue to tell them that vision because that first time they're not going to get it. That second time they're not going to get it. By that third or fourth time, you're almost over the hump, but you still got three more times to tell them. You just got to be consistent and tell them. The other two disciplines, just because I mentioned them. So one is repeat yourself often. The other one is a handful of rules. So parenting, Jordan, you know this, you've got a young child, right? Not 50 rules. We're talking like three to five rules. That's it. Keep it simple. And then the third is, is walk the talk. Right. Be consistent. As go you, so go they. Those are the three disciplines. You talk about leadership. You talk about leading a business. You talk about parenting. Those three disciplines exist within both of those. Well, I think that's so interesting because obviously, like, look, I'm on a cross country road trip. I'm barely ever in the office, but my staff understands it, like understands my role. And I, I hit my numbers and I do my outreaches and I've got all my stuff lined up so they can see that, you know, like I'm walking the walk and following the, you know, talk, not just talking the talk and whatnot. And it is well, really cool. And I'd love to see your accountability chart because you're crystal clear. You're sitting in that visionary role. You know exactly, and your staff knows exactly what the five roles, what, what you're accountable for in the organization. And one of them is not running the day-to-day, -day, right? You're crystal clear on that. Yeah, for me, so I'm visionary and I'm director of marketing. Those are my two seats. So I've nice. got my numbers, I've got my forms, I've got my responsibility in that, and I've got my stuff on the vision stuff, HR, running the um, the employee evaluations to set the rocks and whatnot with them. And I'm guessing that's what drives you. That's what gives you energy also. 
that's a that's a great question. It, it depends upon the day to some extent, but yes, ultimately, like at the end of the day, being an actual lawyer drains me so quickly. Doing repetitive tasks drains me so quickly. Um, a lot of that stuff. So the you know the more higher level, building the longer relationships, working you know with the with the employees, with our referral sources, etc. Like that's the stuff that I find my uh shoot. What's the line? I know uh, Gino talks a ton about Dan Sullivan, the unique ability from yeah. uh, Strategic Coach. That's my stuff. Love cool. It. All right. So um, for everybody who is watching this on the podcast, we've got all the links here. But for anybody, or sorry, who's watching this, the live show, but for anybody who's listening to the podcast, Chad, what's the best way if there's just one way for them to get connected with you to reach out for more information or stay in touch? What's the best spot for them to do that? Oh, so lots of ways, right? LinkedIn. I use LinkedIn quite a bit. Chad, C-H-A-D, Sinus. Uh, I've got a, a microsite on the main uh, on the main page. Uh, my email is very simple, C-H-A-D dot Sinus, S-I-N-N-E-L, I can't even do it, S-I-N-N-E-S-S at EOSWorldwide.com. All right. Awesome. So with that, I want to talk about our next episode, then we'll do our final takeaway. Um, our next episode is going to air on 418 at 145 Eastern time. We're going to have Haley Leviashvi, who is with eLaw Gig, creating an army of law students. So this is a platform that allows you to connect with law students for paid internships. I had a great chat with her about the platform, and I'm really excited to share it with you all um, when it comes to helping the next generation of lawyers, when it comes to helping people get the, that hands-on training and whatnot through that. So that'll be on April 18th at 145. Um, Chad, you've shared so much. So like I said, you can share something again on the final takeaway or it can be totally different. But for any of the lawyers listening to this for the last 50 minutes, if they remember nothing you said except for this, what's the most important takeaway on how they can be the exhibit A of a successful lawyer? I love it. So if you're used to making $100 an hour, um, if you're used to making $100 an hour, don't do $25 hour work. You must delegate. You can't be the head chef and the head bottle washer at the same time. It does not work. You will not grow your firm. In a weird way, you're actually costing yourself $75 for every hour that you do that. Oh, I love it. Awesome. All right, Chad, thank you so much for joining us. Hope to see everybody next week, April 18th, 145, for the next episode of Exhibit A Attorneys. Until then, have a wonderful week. Thanks, Jordan.